Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now, here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're talking here this morning with Ryan Wing. He is the owner and founder of The Sundry, which is a market and kitchen down in the Crossroads area. And he's here to talk with us today about what inspired that and how it's different from some of the other concepts that feature uh, delis and restaurants and grocers here in Kansas City, for that matter, throughout the nation. So we're here to uh, hear his entrepreneurial story and learn more about this treasure that we have right in the heart of the crossroads. Welcome to the show today, Ryan. Thanks, Kelly. Great to be here. Tell us the best way to describe what you do. On which day? <laughs> it's spoken like a true entrepreneur. <laughs> well, I guess, let me just rephrase that then. Tell us about the sundry. What's the best way to describe the sundry itself? Um, well, we um, are kind of going through a little bit of an evolution right now, but we really started out um, focused on trying to be kind of a new version of an old neighborhood market. Um, that used to exist in Kansas City not all that long ago, you know, 50, 60 years. Um, and uh, kind of discovered along the way that it is extremely difficult to be small in grocery. Um, and, um, and so we are kind of transforming ourselves and we've, we've created some of our own products um, that will start to release throughout this year and so we're really kind of transforming into a craft food company um, who also has uh, these stores or restaurants or whatever you want to call them venues to kind of interact um, with the food creation process um, that we have within the store itself so difficult to describe but um, a fun little place Yes, and so when you say that this harkens back to an era that really existed in its last form like 50, 60 years ago, what were some of the elements that you are trying to resurrect and recapture from that era, from those types of uh, offerings? Um, Well, as you mentioned, we are a market and a kitchen, so we have a little um, market inside the store that features a lot of uh, locally made products, features local produce, breads. Um, we craft a lot of our own meats and charcuterie in the shop. Um, so you can go and get a lot of your um, important staples there in the market. Uh, but then we also have a kitchen that uh, creates those products, but also uh, serves a full menu um, all day long. So it is kind of a community gathering point, you know, for supplies, for um, a place to eat and uh, have a conversation with neighbors. So uh, that's really what we're after. Okay. So so convenience and local, fresh, uh, you're 
very strong with the community so that, you know, you're kind of the neighborhood grocer where you go in and, and everybody knows you and, and, you know, your staff and, and you know them. It's, it's not uh, this anonymous transaction that you sometimes have at the larger grocers these days. Yeah, exactly. And we can provide a lot of transparency in where the food that you're getting came from, how it was prepared, um, all of that. So it is a, a very relationship-based uh, business. Now, what inspired you to open the sundry? Um, well, I, uh, if you look at my background, um, you probably wouldn't predict the sundry uh, <laughs> happening. Um, I sure didn't for a long time. Um, but... Um, I am really interested in sustainability and how business can solve sustainability problems. Um, I think it can, uh, it has the power to solve them much faster in a much um, better way than government action alone um, or relying on kind of individual consumer based choices. And so, um, I became really fascinated by the issue of local food and, and the food system in general um, with where we've taken it to in this country and um, what a sustainable food system might look like and where you would even need to start um, to try to take what I think there's a lot of consumer demand for and that there's a lot of interest in um, but it's got to move to that next level and, and real, to even start to matter in the scope and the scale of um, the massive American food system. And so that's where I come to this from is um, trying to start something that can scale and grow bigger um, and maybe get sustainable uh, a sustainable American food system to the point where it could catch on and uh, potentially flourish. So Now, when you talk about, uh, you know, before it can really take on or uh, be sustainable and flourish, like you just said, that it has to really go to the next level in consumers' minds. People are looking for this, but it's not quite there yet. Is Is that because there is skepticism about the labeling when they see it in the stores that, you know, certain things may not really mean organic, you know, that the definitions are fuzzy, so they don't really trust it. Is it a matter of cost? Is it a matter of uh, availability? What what do you think it is? That, what are some of the barriers that are keeping this from going mainstream? Um, yes, to everything you just listed. <laughs> um, I think... Um, when you can walk through any aisle of any, you know, big box, major brand um, store in America right now and see the words handcrafted or artisan or, you know, whatever it is um, on a food package, um, yeah, consumers definitely start to roll their eyes completely understandably. And, and that's been a huge marketing challenge for us is how do we communicate to people that we are those things, but we are those things in a very authentic way. Um, and uh, we get that you roll your eyes at other stuff, but no, we're serious about it. Um, and, um, but to kind of answer your, your larger question, 
we identified four things that we really want to get at with um, the food system. And, and we feel like if we can address these four that we would be on our way to something good. And so um, the first is scale. Um, and that is, you know, farmers markets are a great thing. And I think they will always be an important piece to the puzzle. Um, I think there are some really cool things that happen when a consumer um, interacts directly with the farmer that uh, grew the produce. But um, but to your point, it, convenience is king. You know, uh, one of my favorite quotes is um, that Americans' worst fear is inconvenience. Um, and it is absolutely true. Um, and, you know, farmers markets just by their nature, you know, are one, two days a week in most right. cases. And so what do people do, you know, in those middle ground times? And, and they're seasonal um, too. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, so those are important, but have to grow beyond that. And so what does that look like? And then, um, scope is the second item and, and that is, you know, I think local sustainable food needs to grow beyond just raw ingredients, you know, just produce and, and just, um, raw meats and, and that kind of a thing, um, is again, an important piece, but what else can happen within the local food space, you know, that really starts to drive demand for more of the product and, and shows consumers that there are different ways that they can eat it, you know, rather than having to go buy raw ingredients and cook for themselves and all of that. Do you have some ideas about that or some examples? Um, yeah. So, um, the product that we're just about to release um, is uh, bottled soda, for example. And so that might not be something that people think about, you know, when they think about local or uh, sustainable food. Uh, but we make our soda with um, completely natural ingredients. So there, it's water, cane sugar, and um, like one of the flavors that we're going to release is basil mint ginger ale mm. so that's literally made with ground up ginger basil leaves and mint leaves so um we're trying to create you know a product that can be made at scale and then i can contract with farmers and say hey if you grow me enough basil if you grow me enough mint you know, I would be happy to buy all of it from you. And that helps them. It helps us. Um, and so, and it, it can produce a product that can go well beyond, you know, the walls of our store or the confines of a farmer's market or wherever. So, um, right. so some unusual, you know, opportunities like that. Um, I think exists. So definitely, and and again, you know, instead of just raw meat or raw vegetables, I would have never thought of soda as a possibility. But there you go. Yeah. When do you think you're mm -hmm. going to be releasing that? Do you have any time frame yet? Um, it should probably be ready to go uh, with a month or two. We've been working ah, on it good. a long time, um, so we're we're almost there. 
Okay. Yeah. And then you were talking about four uh, things that you think mm-hmm. need to occur before this can become, uh, you know, the, the local and the, the fresh and organic can become mainstream. You mentioned mm-hmm. two. Uh, what's yeah. number three? Um, three and four are kind of intertwined, but they are um, distinct in their own way. So three and four are affordability and accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so accessibility, I think of um, a little more geographically and it, it's it's kind of that convenience piece you know people um, I think have a demand for this type of food um, but I think it's it's important to define that demand as people are I think saying yes I want that kind of food as long as it's convenient and it's accessible to me you know and if it's not you know then I'll probably go with convenience over, you know, the uh, other options. So, um, so making it accessible to more people, I think, is really important, and and the affordability is also extremely important uh, because I don't think that this can be a real um, significant piece of the food system if we don't somehow get at. Um, that cannot be an affluent Caucasian thing. <clears throat> you know, it needs to be um, available to um, a much wider demographic than that. So, so points very well taken. As you have been, how long has the Sundry been in business? Just a couple of years, right? Yeah, just over two years. Yep. Okay, so. As you have built this, because as you say, uh, this is very difficult. A small grocery competing with, I mean, if I can think of any industry that has the big box competition, it's, you think of bookstores and things like that, but the grocery stores especially, how have you been able to develop this? You mentioned that it really wasn't part of your background. Have you had help along the way? How have you learned how to do this? Um, We spent... um three years developing this before we ever launched it. Um, so some of it, yeah, has been trial and error and figure it out. And, and some of it has been um, trying to hire and bring in people that have expertise. Um, I originally had a co-founder um, who has a hospitality and kitchen background. Um, he has since left the business and is a um, hospitality professor at JCCC. And so that was initially helpful. Um, But a lot of it has been trying to figure it out because it is a different model. And I think even some of the people that we hire and bring in are caught off guard a little bit by it because, you know, whether that's a cook in the kitchen, they have to kind of learn how we work because, Um, for instance, with the menu, a lot of our items that make it onto the menu are developed by looking at what we have and then figuring out what we can make from it versus deciding on a dish that we're going to make and then going out and trying to find the things that we need for it. And so it does require a little bit of retraining for people that you know, even have experience in the industry because we do work very differently uh, than a lot of other kitchens. 
Yeah, and, there's an element of improv to it, it sounds like. Yeah, and, and that's honestly what makes it a lot of fun, too, is there's a lot of creativity and there's a lot of, you know, this might be the traditional definition of that dish, but how do we make that a Kansas City version of that dish, essentially? You know, we don't have avocados, so what could we do? You know, that right. sort of retraining of thinking processes. So, Let's talk about Kansas City for just a minute. Is there mm-hmm. anything about being based in Kansas City that you think adds an advantage for growing the sundry, or do you think that being based here has complicated anything? Um, a little bit of both. Um, originally from California, um, I grew up in the Midwest um, between Kansas and Nebraska uh, for a long time. Um, I think there are a lot of really, really good things about Kansas City, and I think just being based in the heartland really helps with, uh, you know, being in the food business. Uh, We do have a reasonably long growing season here that can be extended um, with high tunnels and greenhouses and things. And so um, that doesn't put us, you know, kind of in that dead of winter for too long um, with needing to figure out, you know, what's going to go on the menu. and I, but I think, you know, with Kansas City specifically, it is a developing city still, um, and we're growing fast. Um, but I do think, you know, we've certainly bumped into some things along the way that have made our road difficult. Um, and, you know, I think are really just, it's part of the learning curve for Kansas City as we grow and develop. Um, but running into those things, you know, certainly didn't make things easier. Uh, it's sure. almost part of the thing. Exactly. Has there, I know you've got a, a short history, three years of development, two years operating now, but is there anything about your company's story that has surprised you uh, that you really weren't expecting, uh, whether even, even with um, in your own story as an entrepreneur, maybe something uh, you discovered as a business owner about, that you didn't know about yourself, but is there a surprise element that you could tell us about? Um, yeah, I think um, because we spent so long kind of developing the model and working through it and, and thinking through it in our head for so long, um, I thought that I was pretty well prepared uh, for launch. And when we finally did launch, um, I immediately felt, you know, light years behind on what I needed to know. And and uh, so that kind of highlighted for me just a, it was like every personal shortcoming became magnified a thousand times instantly, you know. And so having to then work through that list, you know, and try to prioritize that list of, you know, I need to get better at a million things. So, you know, which one am I going to get better at today? Um, That's definitely been the biggest surprise for me and something that um, has taken a lot of fortitude to kind of, you know, continue to work through because I'm certainly nowhere um, near 
through that list. Uh, right. But yeah. But that's also part of the fun for me. You know, I like continual learning and development and getting better. And and so um, it's certainly not fun when those personal shortcomings do get put under the microscope. But at the same time, you know, just buckling down and saying, I'm going to get better at this and, you know, it's not going to be an issue in the future. Uh, I, I enjoy that aspect. Yes, and there there are so many resources here in Kansas City to help businesses that want to grow and that help entrepreneurs themselves with their professional development and their business acumen. And so we're very fortunate to have that in Kansas City as well. So you're located in the crossroads. Where exactly are you located? Um, We're at uh, 1706 Baltimore Avenue. Okay, 1706 Baltimore Avenue, Kansas City. And then hours of operation? Um, currently, it is Monday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Tuesday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Okay, so so you're open for back to that convenience and accessibility. You are you're open uh, a long time uh, for six out of seven days of the week. And then, how about your website? Where can people go to find out more about your company through the web? Sure, um, we're just thesundry.com. Um, and there's a lot of information on there. We we also occasionally teach cooking classes and um, host dinner events and that kind of a thing. So that, the current um, kitchen menu, all of that is all located online. Okay, thesundry.com. Well, thanks, Kelly. It's been great. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.